Let me pray. Father God, help us this morning to hear your word. Just ask you, Lord, that what it is that you're desiring today, that that would, that would happen. Not our desires, not man's desires, but your desire. Lord, I pray as all our city this morning are, is, is hearing your word, people are coming to church that normally don't go. God, just let your, let your word be heard. Let your mercy be shown. God, let your love be known by this city and let people be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So we run, run, run. We get in such a hurry. Um, it seems like we can't ever finish. I just can't get it all done. I don't have enough time in the day. Um, there are just so many things that pile up that just creates work for us. And it just, you, you just feel like I can't finish. There's not enough. I, can't, I got all these unfinished products, projects. I've got a hole in my yard that needs to be filled and we just can't get to it. The rain keeps coming and now it's caving in and all the work we've already done, I got to go redo it and... Come, Jesus, come back, Jesus, before I have to fill this hole. Um, But we have so much unfinished business in our life, don't we? Anybody? But there's one person in history that ever died with their life completely fulfilled and their mission in life completely completed, and that was Christ. That was Jesus Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. When he was 12 years old, he even said, he said in John uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 34, I came to do the work that my father sent me to do. Remember what he said to his parents? I'm here about my father's business. He knew what he was doing. Obviously, he did finish it. That's why there are billions on this earth today celebrating Easter. Because Christ finished his work. In John chapter 19, verse 28, and then I'm going to jump to verse 30. It says, knowing that everything was now completed and that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, while he was hanging on the cross, he said, I'm thirsty. And then after he was given a drink, he shouted, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, this is not the main point today, but this is a point that I want you to catch. There are several things just with this expression that happened. First, he did not say, I am finished. What did he say? It. It is finished. Why didn't he say, I'm finished? I think you even said it. Because he wasn't done. There was more to be done than what happened on the cross. He died. He arose. He wasn't finished, but it was finished. He came back to life in three days. He's alive in heaven today. But he didn't die permanently. But he did say, it is finished. What is finished? What's completed? What job? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. But the second thing I want you to notice from this statement is what is said. Wait a minute, that's not really what, what, it's not the second thing that he said, he shouted. What did he shout? It's finished. It's not like I'm going to be when I'm done digging this hole. Thank God this is finished. No, it is a victory chant. It is a declaration that the war is over. I have, what you have sent me to do, Father, I've done. Can you see that? 
But then the third thing I want you to catch just from this expression is it says that he gave up his spirit. Now, something that we would want to argue is that who murdered Jesus? No one. If Jesus didn't want to die, he wouldn't have. He gave up his spirit. A martyr is one who goes and and dies for a cause, but is killed because of that cause. Jesus wasn't, um, Jesus gave himself for us. He's not a martyr. Jesus wasn't a martyr. He's a savior. Can you catch the difference? So as we dive into this today, I want you just to recognize what happened on the cross. It says that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus voluntarily died. He willingly gave his life. If he hadn't have wanted to go to the cross, he wouldn't have. If he hadn't have wanted to die, he wouldn't have. He willingly gave up his life. Now, history will show us that there have never been more important three words that were spoken right there. It is finished. If he had not said, it is finished, we would have no hope. We would have no purpose. We would have no power for our situations. We would have no peace for our heart. We would have no place in heaven. We would have no pardon for our sin. None of these things would have been true if it hadn't been finished. He said, I've completed the job that I was given to do. If you can grasp the it is finished part of what Christ said on the cross, it is Christianity in a nutshell. What Jesus is all about. But the irony of that moment when he said it is finished, nobody got it. His own apostles, his own disciples just thought, well, that dream is over. Do you remember what happened next? It says what Peter did. He went fishing. Enough of this. I'm going fishing. Can you imagine what Pilate would have said? Thank God this political riot is over. He's right. It's finished. But even Satan would have said, yes, I've done it. I've killed the son of God. It's finished. Satan didn't get it. No one got it. Such irony there. But what Jesus, but what was Jesus really finishing when he finished on the cross? I can give you a long list of things, but for instance, in the Old Testament, which is the old part of the Bible, for those of you that don't know, before Jesus, there were 380 prophecies. 380 prophecies where God says, I'm going to send you a Savior to save you from your sins, and here's how you're going to know who the real Savior is, the real Messiah. It's not a fake Messiah. It's not a fake Savior. He gave 380 prophecies. There is so much documented prior to Christ dying of what was going to happen. Thousands of promises in the Bible from God to you. And the Bible says that Jesus fulfilled all of those promises to you. Look what it says here. For all of God's promises. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. So to really get a grasp of what's happened on the cross, I want to give you three or four things um, to see what Christ did for us on the cross. 
Number one, when he said it is finished, he paid the penalty and he canceled my debt on the cross. He paid, it says he paid the penalty. He paid my penalty. I think that we can kind of big picture this thing, but we need to small picture this thing. He paid your penalty and canceled my debt. That's the first thing that happened. And you know that there are laws. There are kingdom laws. There are physical laws. And we've broken those laws. And God said, someone has to pay. Why would God say that? Because he's righteous. Does anybody know that God's righteous? It says that he is the righteous judge. So when someone breaks a law, somebody has to pay. When you break the law, somebody has to pay. When we break those, God says, I'll tell you what. I'll just do it myself. I'll pay the penalty for you. I'll serve your time. I'll do your rap. And I will pay your debt for you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 3, it says, The law of Moses could not save us. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and all the laws in the Old Testament, those could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God, everybody say, but God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, that's Jesus, and gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So he dies for our sins. Jesus hadn't committed anything wrong. He did not go for his sins. He didn't sin. He went for our sins. God did this so that the requirements of the law would be fully accomplished for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So what's the requirement of the law? Fairness and justice. God demands fairness. It's not fair to break the law and get away with it. So what does God do? He says, I'll do it. And Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to pay the penalty for any of your sins. Church, wake up. This is good news. Good news. That's what Good Friday and that's what Easter is all about. That's the first thing. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 says, Christ died to set people free from the penalty of sin that they committed under the first covenant. Why did Christ die? To set you free from your sin. Everything you've ever done wrong, Jesus paid for it. On the cross. He not only forgave you. Listen to me. He not only forgave you. That's my son hiccuping up there. He not only forgave you. He paid your penalty. He wiped out your account. Look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 14. It says, God wiped out the charges. And he canceled the record 
of all the times we've disobeyed his commandments. Jesus took our guilt on his body and nailed it to the cross. Church, this isn't just for an unsaved person. We as Christians have to be able to grab hold of what's happened on the cross. It will change our own outlook of ourself. It absolutely brings me down to the ground when I think about what Christ did for me. He canceled the record. It doesn't even exist anymore. And he nailed it to the cross. Imagine if you went home today and you got a phone call from MasterCard or Visa. And you probably, many of you probably have. (laughs) It's not a good phone call. But they said, hey, we've just decided we're going to cancel your debt. Canceled. Not only that, we're going to close the account. And we're going to purge it from our system as though it never existed. Think about it. We're going to remove it so far because I know all of us are thinking, man, they'll do an update someday and all of a sudden it'll show back up and ah, they'll be back after me again. Nope. We're going to take the whole system and chuck it into the water. And then we're going to set it on fire. Maybe we'll set it on fire and then chuck it in the water. That would be good news, right? Would you be happy about you having your credit card debt wiped out? Everybody say yes. Yes. That's why Easter is good. You weren't just forgiven. Your sins are wiped out. God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you for something you've done in the past. He's already forgiven and forgotten. There's no record of it. When you get to heaven, God's not going to come up to you and say, hey, what about that sin you did last year? You know what happens when I show up before the pearly gates and God asks me at that time of judgment, what he asks me is, are you worthy or not worthy? I'm not worthy. I plead not innocent by George. I'm not innocent. I'm the guiltiest one in the room. God didn't know it. I would have broken the whole system just like Adam did. We all kind of get on to Adam for that one sin. If he hadn't done that, life would have been great. No, I would have showed up and I would have done it. Can anybody relate? That would have been me. But I wasn't just forgiven. It was wiped out. There's no record of it. And when God asks me that day, he's going to ask me, Are you guilty? I I think that's what he's going to ask me. I don't know. We're not going to know until we're standing before the God. And he's, he's going to say, guilty or not guilty? Neither. I plead the blood of Jesus. I don't plead guilty. I don't plead not guilty. I plead Christ. I received Christ. When God looks at me, he looks at me through Christ. When he looks at me through Christ, my past, everything behind Christ is paid Removed. God's not seeing that anymore. It's been removed. Your stuff that you're walking around with still carrying? God's not carrying. He paid for it. Why would he want to carry something that he's, still paid, that he's already paid for? How many of you remember your first, uh, I, I, I'm going to say your first car payment, but you're probably going to remember that. How many of you remember your last um, electric bill? Exactly. Or last year's electric bill. I don't want to remember it. 
I've paid for it. It's gone. They can't bring that back. I've paid for it. I can show the records where it's paid for. You want you, I want you to know there are holes in Jesus' hands. There's piercings in his body of, of the evidence of what he paid for for me. It's paid for. It's forgotten. That's good news. God's not mad at me. God's not mad at you. If you will receive Christ, if you will follow Christ, be a disciple of Christ, get in his word and start following him, he puts your past behind you. Not only does he put it behind you, he puts it behind the cross. Church, you are forgiven. And I'm going I'm to blow your mind, not just for the things that you've done, but for the things that you will do. How many of you have sinned since you've been saved? <laughs> Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He's washed it white as snow. Have you ever tried to wash snow? I can't be washed. I can try and I can scrub. I can't wash that off. But Christ can. God's not mad at me. It's finished. It's finished. And you know, when you have a death in the family, when you have a father to die, you receive the death benefits of that person. You know what I get because Christ died? I get Christ's death benefits. The unsinned, so I get unsinned. I get my sins removed. Think about what Christ did on the cross and I get those benefits. I'm the beneficiary of Christ's death. It says in Hebrews 5, 9, I'm going to need to speed up. It says, Jesus had finished his work. He became the source of eternal salvation for everyone who obeys him. The second thing Jesus did on the, on the cross, and guys, this is a big one. He defeated the fear of death. Jesus had to be a man. And he had to experience death to be able to give us power over death. Can you guys follow that? Because Jesus died, he overcame death. Which, because he has overcome death, then I am, a, I am someone who is now going to live eternally. Now, I want to I warn you, we're all going to die. Even the people that Jesus healed on the earth died. We're going to die, but I want you to know I will live forever in eternity. So where is my fear of death? As long as I'm in Christ and believing Christ, there is no room for fear of death. Now, I don't want to die. I want to experience my family and my life and my children and my grandchildren. <clears throat> and um, lost my train of thought. But if, if things end today... God's got this. He's got this. How can I think I can hold the world together better than him? 
He's got this. I don't have fear of death. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, for the sin of, of this one Adam caused death to rule over us. Church, when you don't have Christ, sin causes you to fear death. The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us, but all who receives Christ's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Not only am I not afraid of, not, 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 not only am I not afraid of, of death, but I'm, I've got power to triumph over sin. I have power. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, it says... Jesus became flesh and blood by being born in human form. Now catch this. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all of their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. It's the only way to deliver you is by receiving Christ who won over death. There are so many Christians, I believe, even in this room now that is still in fear of death. There's going to be something incredible to happen, supernaturally to happen to you when you grab hold truly of Christ. Because there is no room for fear of death. That gets driven out. John chapter 14 verse 1 says, don't let your hearts be worried or fearful. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Why does he tell us that? So that we don't fear the next step. Number three, he broke the power of Satan's, he broke Satan's power to mess up your life. Many of you need to hear this today. He broke the power of Satan being able to mess you up. He broke that power. I don't know about you, but life's hard. It's difficult. Anybody struggling? Anybody battling? Feel like you got to fight for everything or feel like you're always in a war? Well, guess what? You are. There's a cosmic war going on right now between good and evil. You think it's all just right in front of you? No, there is war going on in the spirit for you. Because I want you to know something. Satan hates everything God's done. He hates everything God's created. Why? Because he can't create. All he can do is pervert and try to mess up. And you know, you know a good way to get to a parent? Go after their kids. Satan's coming after his kids. Why? Because God created us. And he's trying to take us down. He's trying to get at God's children. God is a creator. But the truth is, without God's power, without what happened at the cross, you don't stand a chance against Satan. He's far more powerful than you. Catch me here. Satan can throw ideas at you, and you buy into them. Don't anybody raise their hand, but how many of you have had a negative word spoken over you, and you've bought into it? A parent has said something. A teacher has said something. A friend has said something. And you believe it. That's how powerful 
Satan is. The work of the enemy is so powerful that all we've got to do is just see some little nugget out there of saying we're not good. And for some dumb reason, we buy it. I so put a wall up when people start telling me I'm good. But when people tell me I'm bad, I kind of tend to believe it. I may not to their face, but I go away believing the lie and rejecting the truth. Why? Because Satan is powerful. Even though I'm spirit-filled, I have been born again. I was saved at five, spirit-filled at 17. I, have, I battle my mind daily. And I find myself believing lies. But Christ on the cross broke the power of Satan in my life. Catch this right here. It says in Colossians 1, God rescued us from the dark power of Satan and brought us into the kingdom of his son. He has broken the power. He has broken the power. And the way that Satan does it in us, I'm going to try to really hustle, is Satan uses temptation and condemnation. Anybody here battle temptation? Anybody here battle condemnation? You know what that means? Guilt. Anybody here walk around with guilt? That's what Satan does in our lives. He gives us these lies. How can I say that Satan is a liar? Because the word of God tells us that he is the father of lies. He can't tell the truth. But I want you to see in 1 Corinthians, because of the cross, I can resist temptation. It says you can trust God now to allow any tempta- to not allow any temptation greater than your power to resist it. There is no temptation out there. Listen to me church, you are battling stuff. I know that you are because I am. There is no temptation greater that comes at you that you can't handle. God does not allow a temptation to come at you that's greater than you can handle. Say amen. At some point, you're going to need to come in agreement with his word and walk in it. You can sit here and enjoy a a good sermon or a bad one. You can sit here and enjoy hearing good things over your life. People can say good things. I can read good things about me. But if I don't believe it and walk in it, I leave it there. And I go right back into my hell. Believe me, I've done it. Or you can take this word that whatever you're battling, God's power is bigger than it. And then it says, when you do find yourself in that, God will provide you a way out. So that, does it say so that God will defeat it? Listen to me. You've got the power. I got the power. <laughs> Listen. Not so that God can go do, do the battle, so that you can defeat it. What's so awesome about walking with Christ is I get to have victories. Hey, 
I just got over that. Now, let's remember it is Christ through me because I could have never done it on my own. But as long as Christ is with me, hey, I whipped you. That sounds prideful. It's not prideful. It's what God says do. Go out and defeat that thing. And then get back here and rejoice. Get filled back up and let's go do it again. What else is battling me? You're going down. I can defeat it. But he also gives me the power to reject condemnation. God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin and God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were taken away. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. When a word comes against you that is accusations towards you that does not line up with God's word, you can identify that as Satan. It's not the person. It's the power and the principalities of the air. There is a spirit trying to take you down. And Christ has given me the power over that. I've got the power. It is finished. God does not have to do anything else. He has done it all. Now, will I walk in it or will I live in junk? I'm not living there anymore. Finally, it is finished. God will finish what he starts in you. He will finish what he starts in you. You can be certain of this. God who began his work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ comes back again. If you will not quit, God will finish. Do you hear me? God's great purposes and plans, what he's got for you, if you just will not quit, if you will stay with him, he will finish. He is a finisher. He will not make you stay with him though. He has given us a free will. We can just turn and go the other direction if we want. When we do that, we're on our own. Sorry, but he's waiting for us. The door is open. Church, this morning, for the believers and the non-believers, the door is open for you. Christ has done this once and for all. It says in John chapter 10, verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Your salvation is guaranteed forever by God. Satan can't take me out of God's hand. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. Acts 10, 35, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do this, he says, the door is open. The door is open. To those of you that are here that would say, I've never made that commitment, let me talk to you just for a second. The door is open. You may think that you're here just because you got forced to be here. It's Easter and you always have to go with your family. Nope, God knew you were going to be here today. He's been waiting for you. And there is something down deep in you that's saying, I know this to be true. Do you know why that's down deep in you? Because God created you. He did it. It's not my great speaking. It's not the environment or the great music. It's God. 
He created you and He's been calling you. I want you to hear me, church. I want you to hear me, people. The door's open. And it says if you'll just open, if you'll just walk through that door. How do I walk through that door? Just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You may say, Pastor, I, I, I can kind of believe. That's enough. You just have to start. Just start. God meets you right where you are. Church, I want to talk just for a minute to the people that are saved. We can be saved and be in chains. It's, it's not the plan. It's not what God wanted. But for some reason, we can walk an aisle and give our hearts to the Lord and then walk right back into our jail. And God said, enough. I paid for you. You don't have to live there. The door is open. Would you walk through it? Would you make a change today? Would you repent from the stuff that you've done? Get clean and free and begin to fill yourself up with his word and his spirit. Connect to the body and start to live a life that does not resemble a life in jail. A life in torment. A life in pain. Jesus paid for you. That sin that you're still carrying, it's time to break it. It's time to break it. I'm going to pray for you and we're going to take communion together this morning. But would you just bow your heads with me and really get real with God? Father God, this morning we just, I just ask you, Lord, to, for us to just be able to receive truth. Right now, I just speak over lies over this body. God has a plan and a purpose for you that is good and for you to prosper. If you have genuinely come to Christ or you're doing that this morning, I just encourage you right now just to say, Father, forgive me of the stuff that I've just continued to carry around. And God, I leave it today right here in this chair that I'm sitting in. And Father, in the spirit, I just leave it at the cross. Never to return to it. I believe today that you really did forgive me of that thing. Forgive me. And I turn to you. You've got a door open for me and today I'm going to take it. I want to turn back to you. Father, I just reject those lies that have been spoken over me. I just break the lies that have been spoken over this body, this, these lies of rejection. Tearing down identities. Father God, my identity is in you. In Jesus' name, I pray for freedom. Freedom over this body. And Father God, courage to turn and to get into your word, to fill our minds with your word and with your spirit and drive out the fear of death, the fear of sin, the fear of, of life. God, I just pray for breakthrough in Jesus' name. Breakthrough, Lord. If you're here today for the first time to give your heart to Christ, just right where you sit, say, Jesus, 
I give you my heart. I confess you as my Lord. And I make a commitment today to follow you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.